Welcome, friends. This is Nerdy <laughs> AF. I'm Kina. And I'm Robin. And this is a special extra episode where I have a guest come on and they just geek out about something. And I'm super excited to have Robin here. And this will be our super special, awesome unicorn, sparkly glitter pride episode. Woo! Yay. Unicorn farts for everybody. You can't see it, but it involves her beer. <laughs> it, it involves actual unicorn farts. Yes. And you said that was what? The white claw unicorn something something? No, 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 no. It's no, wait. By That's the meat. D-claw. D-claw is the brewery that that makes the unicorn fart beer. Oh, my goodness. I went straight to white claw <laughs> when I heard claw. <laughs> <laughs> and D-claw is a brewery back out on the East Coast. I believe they're in... Massachusetts? Some, oh, cool. Someplace way east of me. And then the meadery is this fantastic meadery that is owned by these great, fantastic, wonderful queer folk that is called Grunfeld. And it's G-R-O-E-N-N-F-E-L-L. And they are in St. Albans, Vermont. If you get a chance, go check them out. All of their mead is delicious. I will be drinking the Nordic farmhouse after I finish my unicorn farts. Uh, well, first of all, happy pride. And happy pride to you too. I hope your month is lovely. And yes, amazing. it's been fantastic. I'm wearing my Mas Amor Por Favor shirt. <laughs> I love which, it. Which if you don't speak Spanish, it means more love, please. Yeah. So you've been on the podcast before. You're no stranger. Yes. You've been on a couple of episodes. Yeah, uh, but refresh everybody's <laughs> memory as to who you are. So, yeah. So I'm Robin. I'm the weird one. I live in Colorado. So I'm up near the mountains. I have the cats. Kind of obsessed with the ocean. I'm the Got one who you. talks about the weird, frightening, scary theme parks that <laughs> nobody should ever go to. Or seriously, awesome don't <laughs> depends on your perspective. Well, you know, the one is closed because <laughs> too, too very much. good reasons. That is true. That is too a very good point. Died and were injured, but yes, yeah, so kind of fitting in with the with the Pride Month. I'm a, a queer polyam femme. I'm queer, demisexual, polyamorous. I'm also pansexual. And panromantic. So it, it's what that kind of comes down to is queer. So it, it's it's not queers and happy. It's queers and fuck you. It kind of is queer in this in this is that my existence is political. That I'm kind of of that age where my entire life my existence was political because from the time I was younger, we, we were beat up. We were called faggots. I was curb stomped when I was young because I wasn't straight because I dated other girls. So I took a lot of shit. And so a lot of us of this age have reclaimed the word queer to describe ourselves. So I'm kind of jumping just straight into the, to what the alphabet means. Yeah, um, absolutely. This is yeah. all you, friend. I'm yeah. just here to learn and enjoy you just geeking out and telling us all yeah. about this. I don't think we've mentioned that, but yeah, you want yeah. to talk about the alphabet. And I know yeah. there's a lot of people that might not quite understand a lot of it. So I'm really excited that you're here. Yeah. So first I'll kind of give my 
definition. I'll define what I am. And then I'll go into the alphabet, what we call the alphabet soup or the alphabet mafia and talk about what that all is. So first there is that I'm queer. I'm demisexual, which means in order for me to have a sexual attraction to someone, I have to have a long-standing relationship with someone. It doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship with them, but I have to have a really, really deep, long-standing relationship with them. And kind of how that is defined is I don't get the whole, oh my God, they're so attractive. I would bang them in a heartbeat. For example, a lot of people say that about like the example I've been using lately, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, very, very aesthetically pleasing to me. When I look at him though, I think I want to hang out with that guy. I want to have a cup of coffee with him, a meal. And then I want him to DM like the next six months of D&D for me. <laughs> that's what I want to do with the guy. I love that. I love that it's D&D. That's, that's, so that's what I want to do with him. I, I don't want to snog. I, I don't want to, I don't want to touch him. I don't want to do any of that. I want him to, to DM the next six months of D&D with me because that's the attraction that I have to him. A lot of people find, let's say, Jason Momoa, very, very sexy and attractive. He's okay. I don't find him attractive. He's not aesthetically pleasing. If he were in my bed eating crackers, I'd kick him out because cracker crumbs in my bed, dude, seriously. So that's the demisexual. I don't have that initial sexual attraction to anybody. Panromantic. I catch feelings for anybody, regardless of their gender. So it, it's they can be male, female, intersex, trans. They can present as any gender or as no gender or a gender. Gender presentation or lack thereof doesn't matter for me to catch feelings for somebody. And those feelings aren't necessarily romantic. They can also be, hey, I want to hang out with you. I'd like to get to know you. I would like to maybe hang out and like hold hands and watch a movie. And that's all I want to do with you. But the panromantic, that's usually where feelings end is romantic feelings that very, very, very rarely turn sexual, that it just ends at platonically romantic. Getting into the, the polyamorous, it's I can and do maintain multiple committed relationships with people. Right now, I have been married to my husband number one for nine years, and I've been with my fiance for three. He and I are actually planning our public commitment ceremony for September, and it's going to be September 19th. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> yes, we actually figured it out. And it this is where kind of that whole, it's taken us forever to get this far. We met nine years ago on September 20th. Oh. So our ninth anniversary of meeting is the day after we're getting married. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> As most people know, plural marriage is still illegal. So mine and T's relationship, our marriage is not going to be legal uh, because it is still bigamy. 
Still, even though it is three consenting adults who are all perfectly fine with it, both T and Mike, uh, my two, essentially my two husbands, do get along with each other. They are friends. They have no problem hanging out together. They've gone out to dinner, just the two of them. <laughs> great, great. Leave me at home. I'm going <laughs> to sit at home and just hang out and do my thing, which I love. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> And then also I fall under the femme category. So it's I do present as female. I do identify as a woman, but I do also kind of present both as a little androgynous and as I'm a really girly girl, but I'm still going to kick your fucking ass at the same time. So it's kind of like that menacing feminine bog witch aesthetic going on oh oh, i love that i'm good with i've got that uh, feminine bog witch aesthetic oh that needs to be embroidered on something (laughs) i can probably make that happen that's amazing Um, maybe i'll make that for my maybe i'll have to make that for myself for the wedding oh yay (laughs) okay so so that's that's my definition of myself So let's now start into the LGBTQIAA plus alphabet. So the first one, L, lesbian, which is a woman-loving woman. And it can be any gender woman loving any other gender of woman, be she a cis woman or a trans woman. Some of the first ones are Eleanor Roosevelt who we think was actually probably bisexual because she was married to FDR. And she did have a serious intimate relationship with Lorena Hickok, who was a journalist. Kathleen Lynn. They had thousands of letters to each other. So many letters. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it, a lot of it kind of didn't get out. Their relationship was so incredibly intimate that mm-hmm. we'll probably never know whether or not it actually was a sexually intimate relationship or not, but it doesn't matter. It was an yeah. incredibly, incredibly intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. There's also Kathleen Lynn, who was a Sinn Féin politician, suffragette, and doctor in Ireland the author of Talented Mr. Ripley and Strangers on a Train. Her name was Patricia Highsmith. And she was a fantastic novelist and short story writer who was also a lesbian. And of course, you know, we get into G, gay men, which is men loving men. Again, any gender of of man loving any other gender of man. Some of the more well-known gay men, Adam Lambert, Wentworth Miller from Prison Break, and, oh, my God, Alan Turing. Oh, yeah. Who was one of the most famous kind of inventors of coding and um, computers during World War II. Mm-hmm. And without him, you know, World War II would have gone on, they figure, at least two years longer than it did. And there would have been thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, more people died. So... We do have him to thank for that. And it did take 50 years after his death for him to be granted a pardon by Queen Elizabeth. 50 years after his death. Because it was still illegal for him to be 
gay in Britain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of places where people live, it's still illegal to be gay, lesbian, bisexual. So this is this is still modern day. It, yeah. This isn't a hundred years ago. This isn't 50 years ago. This is yesterday. This is today. This is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We get into B, which is bisexual, which is someone who is attracted to people of their gender or other genders. It's not a way station that goes from being straight to being gay, as it had been described at one point in time, that there are stereotypes around bisexuality, that it's a transitional stage, or it's a cover for promiscuity. Yeah. Those have all been kind of at the center of a lot of myths in the LGBTQ circles for years. There was an actual song in the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that featured a bisexual main character. It had an entire song that refuted that, that actually talks about how bisexual people are bisexual. That's it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you like men 90% and women 10% or women 90% and men 10%. It doesn't matter because mm -hmm. all of that's bisexual. Bisexual is a humongous, gigantic umbrella. Yeah. And under that humongous, gigantic umbrella also falls pansexual, polysexual, or omnisexual. And they all overlap in ways. They're not necessarily the same, but they do all overlap. Pansexual is generally you are attracted to someone regardless of their gender. Polysexual is you are attracted to people and their gender does play a part in your attraction to them. Omnisexual is you're generally attracted to most but not all genders. And bisexual is also often you're attracted to many but not all genders. Advocates are speaking out more and more about what they see as bisexual erasure, which is the persistent questioning of and the negation of bisexual identity. And bisexual erasure keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. Like some famous bi folks, Anna Paquin, who is married mm -hmm. to Stephen Moyer. Anna Paquin is not straight. She is bisexual. Erin Carter is not gay. He's bisexual. Alanis Morissette, she's bisexual. Billy Joe Armstrong, he's bisexual. He's not gay. Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury was not gay. Freddie Mercury was bisexual. He was married to a woman for years and considered her his soulmate. Lou Reed was bisexual. Tessa Thompson is bisexual. Rita Ora is bisexual. And oh my God, oh, for whoever had... <laughs> Tessa Thompson, Taika Waititi, and Rita Ora in a happy polyam triad for 2021. You just made my little heart so happy. Oh, oh my I God, know. I love you. It was trending on Twitter. It's the thruple we didn't know we needed. It was yeah. so amazing. Then we get into T, which is transgender. It is not transgendered. You also do not call someone who is trans. You do not call them by the word ending in Y. That is a slur. I hear you do it. I will kick your ass into the middle of last week. That is not okay. Transgender is a wide-ranging term for people whose gender identity or expression differs from the sex that they were assigned at birth. So it's 
usually at birth, you were either assigned female at birth or AFAB or assigned male at birth, AMAB. So trans is an umbrella term for a non-cisgender identity. So cisgender is identifying as the gender you were assigned at birth. So some famous trans folk, Elliot Page, who just recently came out as trans. I am so excited for him. Oh, those photos of him at the pool was when, so, in he was glowing, trans. glowing. You so just happy. See the happiness. Yeah, it was beautiful. Eddie Azard, who has recently come out as being yeah. trans, and she does use she, her pronouns now. Captain Jan Hamilton, who is the first officer of the British Army to complete her gender reassignment surgery. Nadia Almada, who is the first trans winner of Big Brother. She runs one series five in 2004. Dee Palmer, who was the keyboardist of Jethro Tull. Well, I believe she still is the keyboardist of Jethro Tull. And the Wachowski sisters, Lana and Lily. And then your next, your next uh, letters, Q, which can be questioning or queer, which is kind of a combination of multiple things under there. Questioning is if you're not sure really where you fall under all of this, you're questioning. You're not sure where you fall. We have a space for you in the umbrella. We're holding a space for you. This is where you fit. And this is where you fit until you figure out where else you think you belong. And if it takes you 20 years to figure out where else you belong, that's okay. We're still going to have this space for you. And, you know, queer is queer is the hardest one to define. It, it's the most difficult to classify yourself as, which is kind of one of the jokes about, you know, how do you know you're queer? Well, when you have to ask yourself, am I queer enough to do this? That's how you know you're queer enough. That's that's how you get your queer card is when you have to ask, well, do I get my queer card for this? Uh, then we have intersex, which so we're now going through the LGBTQI. So intersex is a person who's born with biological sex characteristics that aren't normally associated with male or female. It doesn't refer to sexual orientation or gender identity. It strictly refers to what your external genitalia present as. And it's usually corrected. And I'm, I'm, I'm prefacing and I'm using air quotes around corrected at birth to ex assign external genital characteristics closest to what's presented. A lot of folks who are assigned genitals are trans. They do eventually go through gender affirmation surgery because they're externally presenting genitals aren't what their brain is mm -hmm. and then we get into the a's which is asexual and all the gray areas within there which includes demisexual which is somebody who doesn't necessarily experience sexual attraction gray sexual which is someone who occasionally experiences sexual attraction but usually doesn't it kind of covers that gray space between asexuality and sexuality. And then we get into the different types of attraction. You, know, you have your sexual attraction, your romantic attraction, 
your aesthetic attraction, sensual attraction, emotional attraction, intellectual attraction. So it's just, it depends on how you're attracted to various people. All of them kind of fit together into determining how you are attracted to people. Most people, most, and I use that term kind of loosely, they're heterosexual. They are also heteroromantic, which means they are romantically interested in people of the opposite sex. They also experience hetero aesthetic attraction, which means they are aesthetically attracted to members of the opposite sex, opposite gender. They are also sensually attracted to members of the opposite gender, emotionally attracted to members of the opposite gender, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't work for everybody, but in general, that's how attractions work for most people. Romantic orientations don't necessarily follow For a lot of people, they do. Most people, I would say they do. But you do have aromantic, which is where you don't experience romantic attraction to anyone. Biromantic, where you experience romantic attraction towards persons of either gender. And these go along the same with sexual orientation. So you've got your bisexual and biromantic, heterosexual, heteroromantic, homosexual, homoromantic, pansexual, panromantic, polysexual, polyromantic, graysexual, grayromantic, demisexual, demiromantic. It, they all kind of go hand in, I guess, kind of hand in hand. They all have kind of matching up definitions that sexual attraction and the romantic orientations have matching definitions that Someone who's bisexual, if they're biromantic, it's the same prefix. Bisexual people are generally attracted to people of multiple genders. Biromantic people are attracted romantically to people of multiple genders. So it it fits together that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they're not confused with identity. Those are two totally different subjects. Then we have asexual folks who are people who are not interested in sex at all. Some asexual people do have sex. They're not interested in having sex themselves, but some asexual people do have sexual intercourse because it is what is expected of them because their partner desires it. They just don't feel the desire or the need to have it. So Tim Gunn, considers himself to be asexual. J.M. Barry, who wrote Peter Pan, is asexual. Tesla, Nikola Tesla, was asexual. Salvador Dali, who was asexual. And then you get into agender, which is either the lack of gender or demigender, which is kind of not necessarily being cisgender or transgender. It's being kind of floating in between a gender is not subscribing to either gender in there is non-binary. A lot of folks who are non-binary see themselves outside the gender binary. So it's a lot of time shortened to NB, E-N-B-Y, not N, capital N, capital B, 
generally refers to non-black. So please, if you shorten it to NB, use ENBY, or just write out the word non-binary. A notable example of somebody who's non-binary is Taylor Mason, who is a financial analyst on the TV show Billions. Their character is believed to be the first gender non-binary um, and is played by the non-binary character Asia Kate Dillon and also another non-binary actor. And they are on Santa Clarita Diets. They play oh, the daughter on Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, I love that yeah. show. And they are an Australian actor. So um, there's a new show coming out, and I forgot. But it's also a non-binary character playing by a non-binary actor. And it's, oh, I have the, is it the Neil Gaiman show coming out? Oh, uh, yes, Desire is being played in the Sandman. That's Desire it. is being played by another non-binary actor. Oh, that's that's so great. I'm so glad because yeah. there's been so much time, so many years where they didn't have the actual representation. Like there are actors that are ready to play these parts. And I'm so glad that they're finally getting them. I know it's a little, <laughs> little um, too late, you know. Yeah, like, well, Lachlan Wilson, who played both Susie and Theo on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. They're non-binary. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> I know, and they did such a great job playing both Susie and Theo. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Van Ness of Queer Eye is another really well-known NB. And Just a human embodiment of sunshine. <laughs> yes. And uh, Sam Smith, the musician, who is another really popular NB. And Demi Lovato, who just very, very recently came out as non-binary. Yeah, that just and, happened. Yeah. They just, just came out. The A in LGBTQIA does not stand for ally. Allies do not get a seat at the table. Nope. Don't make it about you. It's not about you. Exactly. You don't get a seat at the table. We love you. We love your support. We need your support. But please, this isn't about you. Please don't try to push yourself into a place where you've been specifically asked not to go because this is a safe space for us, not for you. It's the same myself as a white woman. I'm not going to try to push myself into a, into a space that's specifically a safe space for people of color mm-hmm. because that is specifically a space that is not for me. It's the same thing for you as an ally. Please Please don't, please support us all you can, you know, if you can throw money to an LGBTQIA charity, support, support our businesses, do all of that. But please don't, don't throw yourselves into our safe spaces. The next bit in, in with all the alphabet mafia is to us, which is to spirit. It is someone who identifies as having a masculine and feminine spirit and it is only to be used by indigenous people. If you are not indigenous, do you use by spirit or by gender? Do not be a culturally appropriating fuck weasel and use two spirit if you are not indigenous. Same thing. There are some incredible TikTok accounts of indigenous creators that talk about their two spirit. 
experiences and they are so beautiful and so informative and they are so it's just it's really worth watching i follow as many indigenous creators as i can because there's so much we don't know especially as americans you know their history has been erased from a lot of everything that we're taught so it's really interesting and i love learning from the people themselves because they're teaching us and telling us how to be supportive and how to be allies and uh, just highly recommend. Right. And yeah, that's the only way to learn mm-hmm. is you sit down, take a row full of seats and learn from the people living that two spirit life. Mm-hmm. The peaks, pansexual and polysexual, it's not polyamorous. Polyamorous folks, same thing. You don't get a seat at the table. Unless, in addition to being polyamorous, you are another member of the Alphabet Mafia. But just being polyam does not get you a seat at the table. Polysexual, pansexual, like I said before, it's a, a Venn diagram with bisexual, and it's, it's almost completely overlapping. And pansexual was at one point in time a very, very niche term used by academics, but it has entered the mainstream lately. One of the the bigger names that really got it out was when Miley Cyrus came out as pan in 2015. In April, Janelle Monet came out as pan in a Rolling Stone article. And right after that, searches uh, for the word on Merriam-Webster's re- website rose about 11,000%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So some of the famous people that now identify now as Pan are Jamila Jamil, who also identifies as queer. I Um, just saw that they might be She-Hulk, and I'm losing my mind. (gasps) I don't know if it's a rumor or just, I don't know, but it just popped up, and I am losing my mind. (laughs) That would be so amazing. Right? She's also got EDS. She's she's, She's incredible and hilarious. She is fantastic. Brendan Urie of Panic at the Disco is also pansexual. And so is Jazz Jennings, who was also one of the youngest people to come out when she came out at six. She also recently came out as pans, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And highly recommend her book. Yes. I have not read her book yet. It is, I have a huge long list of stuff I need to read. (laughs) Um, But I am, I do have a few questions that were given to our group earlier. And one of them was about getting some gender neutral terms to address people. Whereas normally we would say like, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, etc. So some better gender neutral terms are like folks, friends, pals. Um, one that's popular that I'm eh, kind of eh on is babies and gentle thems because it is kind of a little infantilizing. Guests, colleagues, mortals, meat bags, meat sacks. <laughs> There's a lot. I, I use folks, friends, guests. I use those a lot. Um, Guys, dudes, not gender neutral. Allison had brought up using mates and using mates in the U.S. I 
the U.S. mates generally kind of refers to a, a spouse or a partner. So I wasn't so sure on that one. Um, it's probably just culturally because Australia, England, that's just how they say friends. Yeah. But again, is it one of those? I'm not sure if it's if it's friends like we use bros or guys or dudes. I'm not I don't sure. Know. I don't know. I I know that there is a lot of you know, questions and discussion about things like that. But I think a lot of, as far as like scholarly approaches, a lot of places try to talk about the intention behind words. And so that's part of it too. But I mean, everybody's experiences are different and everybody's interpretation of words, like I said, culturally different countries might differ. So I don't think there's one way to approach all words just based on, because culturally we're all so incredibly different yeah and and like allison just brought up that in australia we call every mate everybody mate that she doesn't think it refers to a gender that was kind of the assumption i went under but again i i'm not a linguist i i don't know for sure oh yeah different kinds of polyam okay so there are probably as many different types of polyam as there are people who practice it the type i practice is kind of generally it's it we kind of call it kitchen table so it's both of my partners know each other they're both friends my primary husband is going to be at the wedding of myself and my second husband he's actually my maid of honor has a service dog so m is probably going to be holding chris's service dog to make sure that the service dog Gordon doesn't jump on anybody because Gordon, the service dog, loves his Uncle M. Yeah, everybody knows about each other and everybody's okay with each other. We do kind of tend to make some of the major life-changing decisions together. M knew I was going to propose to T before I did it because I did, I did make sure that that he knew this was something I wanted to do well before I did it because it was going to have a huge impact on our family. And the same since there's been a few ladies that M has wanted to date. So, you know, he and I have talked about the the various gals that he's that he's been dating. Is there jealousy? Yes. And honestly, Anybody who practices any sort of ethical non-monogamy and tells you there's no jealousy, I, th- I think they're lying to you. Well, I imagine that's part of just human nature, right? It is. And it's, for me, it, the jealousy is more um, fear of missing out. And it's, it's not so much that it's, because it's, I'm not so much worried that M is spending time with these other gals because I know if I want time with M, I can ask for it and he will give it to me. Mm-hmm. It's more that I am worried and was, or I guess it's more was concerned about experiences that he would be having with these other gals that he wouldn't want to have with me. And he and I have talked about it. And it's not nearly as much of a big deal anymore that if it's I'm concerned about something he might be wanting to do with them that I want to do with him, he and I can talk about it and he and I can do, go do it first. 
I don't necessarily want to go to the theater to go see horror movies. Whereas one of the gals he's dating does really like that. So the two of them can go to the theater and go see horror movies, which is great because then I don't have to go see horror movies with him. <laughs> just and sounds like a lot of communication. So like a- much communication. It It's almost like over communication. Would it be cheating if I took another partner without telling other members of the family? Yes. Yes, it would be. Because we are a family and we do kind of talk things to death within the family before things happen. Some families have what is called a don't ask, don't tell. And it's okay. What goes on with members of the family is okay because they don't want to know what's going on with other members of the family because they don't want to deal with that jealousy. They would rather just not know about any of it. Okay. Um, So it just sounds like everyone sets their boundaries and goes about it a way that's most comfortable for them. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it is every family's different and this is what works for my family. Because there are as many different styles of practicing ethical non-monogamy as there are families practicing ethical non-monogamy. And I did also kind of want to, since it is Pride Month, I did kind of want to talk a little bit about Stonewall. Okay. Because Stonewall is, (laughs) Stonewall is the reason for the season. So. um, It's true. I I love I think this year might be, luckily, the first year where I've seen it everywhere. The reminder that Stonewall and Pride is because of a Black trans woman. And the reminder that this is where it began and to never forget. Because I think some people tend to kind of brush past that. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm glad you're bringing it up. Yeah. That the first Pride was a riot. So, a little bit of, of background at that point in time, New York did not allow, quote unquote, solicitation of same sex relations that they were illegal. So going to the bar to pick up someone to take home was a crime. And the cops had absolutely zero problem of busting you for it. They were happy to raid the bar, beat up the patrons, take you to jail and shut down your bar. So LGBT folks flocked to bars where they felt safe which wasn't great because the New York State Liquor Authority shut those bars down in a heartbeat because any gathering of LGBT individuals was considered disorderly. So those regulations were overturned in 1966 thanks to activists so LGBT patrons could be served alcohol, but still engaging in gay behavior in public was still illegal, so bars were still harassed and shut down. So many operated without liquor licenses, but because they were owned by the mob, eh, they were a little kind of sketchy and gray. That's the other thing about it. I think people forget that the mob owned. (laughs) Oh, God. The mob owned everything in New York. Mm -hmm. So enter the Stonewall Inn. Stonewall Inn was a quote unquote bottle bar which bottle bars were private clubs where patrons brought their own liquor, or at least they were supposed to. But patrons also had to sign in in a register to maintain the club's, quote-unquote, exclusivity. 
And because it was owned by the mob, the police overlooked most of the safety measures, including oh, fire exit, working toilets, and also blackmailing the patrons to keep their identities secrets. Raids were still very, very common, but mob-run bars usually got tip-offs so that they could stash the booze and hide most other illegal activities. And the Stonewall had been raided like two days before the raid that caused the riot. So without being tipped off, cops raided the bar, roughed up a bunch of patrons, found the illegal alcohol, arrested 13 people, including employees and people who violated the state's quote-unquote gender-appropriate clothing statute, meaning that folks who had male genitalia could not dress as women, and female police officers took those patrons into a bathroom to check their genitalia. If they had any doubt whatsoever that you might not be a woman in that dress, they would have a cop beat the shit out of you and then have another female cop take you to the restroom and quite violently check yeah. to see what gender you were. I think that's what scares me so much about so many things in legislation right now uh, regarding the transgender community is that this has happened in recent history, just the violation and the abuse and the accusations and I just uh, it just scares me that this will repeat itself in these things like these yes. bathroom laws it, people are like oh you're over overreacting and like no this was so recent that this happened yeah bathroom laws they're happening every day mm -hmm. they're happening now it women now are being beaten up and having Absolutely. their genitals roughly checked by yeah complete strangers i think that's it's such a good reminder so thank you so much for bringing that up and yeah so fed up with all of this constant harassment the neighbors didn't disperse like they usually did after one of the raids that like the raid a couple days before the neighbors kind of just dispersed and let it go like normal the people being arrested that night were increasingly handled aggressively and eventually one of the patrons was hit over the head by a cop she screamed at onlookers to act the crowd started throwing objects at the cops and that's how the stonewall riot began the leaders of the stonewall riots were trans women of color they were not cis white men they were not cis gay white men the mothers of the Pride movement are Sylvia P. Johnson, who is a black trans woman who is a sex worker and a drag performer who worked her entire life to advance the cause for trans youth, sex workers, people with HIV, AIDS, and incarcerated people. The next was Sylvia Romero, who is a Latina trans woman who is also a sex worker and a drag performer. She claims to have thrown the second Molotov cocktail at Stonewall. And she also worked her entire life to make sure that people of color, trans folk, poor and homeless people, and incarcerated people were included in the LGBTQ community because they were and still are often pushed out of the community. In 1973 at Gay Pride, she gave her Y'all Better Quiet Down speech. And despite the importance of that message, she was booed off the stage by the crowd. 
The next one of our godmothers of pride is Miss Major Griffin Gracie. She's another Black trans woman who is also a sex worker. She also frequented the Stonewall and participated in the riots. On that first night of the riots, a cop broke her jaw and knocked her unconscious before they arrested her. And even after all of this, she continued her work as an activist, worked tirelessly and still does advocating for incarcerated trans women of color who have suffered from police brutality, poverty, racism, and gender discrimination. Last I knew, which I believe was 2017, she was in, I think it was Little Rock, still working with her foundation to help with police brutality, poverty, racism, gender discrimination against trans women of color. Mm-hmm. And Stormy Delivery, who is a butch lesbian and activist who founded the Jewel Box, which was America's first racially integrated drag show. And Stormy was the only drag king in the show. She performed in a white tux, and she was said to have started the uprising when an officer shoved her. She punched the cop in the face. Four cops attacked her, beat her in the head with a baton, handcuffed her. And then when the crowds saw this, that was when the riots began and Molotov cocktails began flying. And that is the extra short version of our trans fairy godmothers. Always remember, the first pride was a riot. And this is the reason we have pride is because of the harassment of our community by cops. It's so heartbreaking. And it's they because they were able to get away with it. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. who is going to come to the aid of a exactly. black trans prostitutes nobody nobody is going to come to the aid of a homeless black trans sex worker that her community decided that's it no more we're done we're not letting any more of our community be beaten we're not letting any more of our community be harassed by the cops this stops now. First pride. Have you been able to visit? No, I have not. I have not been able to visit the Stonewall Inn. Uh, was going to one of the last times I was in New York City and just I wasn't able to bring myself to go. It was just a little too much. Um, too much emotion. Yeah, because I, I was imagine. I was there during pride. And it was just too much emotion. Oh, wow. I can't imagine New York pride. How big that must be. (laughs) It was, and it was, oh God, 20 years ago. What an experience to get to go to pride in New York. Yeah, it was, it was very much something to experience to be able to do pride in New York City, to be able to experience pride where our fairy godmothers, where our fairy godmothers were. Yeah. For that first riot. Man, that's, that's incredible. (laughs) Well, thank you. I know that it must have been, especially talking about this. I hope it wasn't too much emotional, too, too hard. It's heavy. (laughs) And I know that it's, it's, 
it's a difficult thing. Like, I'm so glad that you are excited to talk about it and to educate us because so many of us are so ignorant. And and I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are eager to learn. So I'm so thankful that you it's, it's not so much that people are ignorant. It's that people have never had a chance to learn these things because exactly, yeah. this is stuff. This is stuff we were not taught in school mm-hmm. that pride was a riot. We were never taught that it was, you know, black trans women mm-hmm. that were sick of being beaten by cops that threw the first rocks and bricks at Stonewall. Yeah. Well, I'm from the South. They didn't teach us anything. (laughs) We learned nothing about pride at all. You know, my sister being a part of the community and seeing how difficult it is living in a place where you're not allowed to come out and you know nothing about the history because everybody refuses to talk about it. So a lot of small towns, a lot of Southern places, it's, it's, um, it's a struggle that happens today and it's so heartbreaking to know how many people are struggling yeah because because they were born away if me being out and me being hurt and me being you know curb stomped when i was younger and all of that if that helps one baby queer out and shows them that it's okay then it was worth it that's beautiful. Thank it, you so much for you know, my sharing face getting, that. You know, my face getting all busted to shit, my bones being all busted. It was worth it if it helps one little baby queer out. It's worth it. Yeah. Don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've done that. I've done plenty of crying over my little baby queers. Yeah. I, I talk about how I ran a teen center for so long, and it was... The most beautiful thing is after a while when I was able to kind of create a safe space, and I was really lucky because that teen center, you had to be 12 through 18, which meant no adults, which meant no judgy people. And it was such a rare opportunity because when your parents aren't around and the people that are trying to silence you or hold you back, those kids flourished. And I think the moment that really just I knew that we had something beautiful was one of the teens came out and not a single person got their pronouns wrong from that moment on. They always said their real name. They never dead named them. And I was like, this is beautiful. I can just see the strength in it. People know they're not alone now. Support groups, Facebook groups, or even just people, strangers on the internet that become your best friends and you can relate. You didn't have that, but I can see all the Oh, little babies, they have that now and they have connections and they know they're not alone. And that makes me so hopeful. Yeah. And it, there's, if you get the chance and you have extra money, there is a wonderful program that I ask everybody to support and it's called the Trevor Project. Yes. And they do mental health care and advocacy for young LGBT kids for youth under the age of 25 and I wonder you know 20 years ago how many people in my generation how many of us would still be alive if we'd had that available and I don't have to wonder about that nearly as much now with the little ones I'm being able to see grow up because Mm -hmm. I can see I can watch them get 
the mental health care. I can watch their communities on the internet. I can watch them grow up. So yeah, throw money at the Trevor Project if you can. It's a fantastic thing to support. Literally saves lives. Yeah, every day. They save lives every single day. And I'll put links to all the the organizations we've talked about in the show notes too. And if you guys know of organizations in your hometown, don't be shy. Share them. Share them in the comments. Share them on our social media and stuff. Kind of get the word out. And like we said before, allies, it's not our place. We don't have a seat at the table, but we sure as hell can donate to these organizations and keep everyone safe and do what we can. You can help in ways that can save lives. And you can always, always share the word. You can Mm -hmm. always, always signal boost. There's never enough signal boosting. There's never enough. Absolutely. Oh, you got me all my feelings. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. I'm just happy pride, everybody. Happy Happy pride, pride. folks. Uh, And I love you all. And just... I'm so glad we have this community <laughs> where we can share things like this to and teach and oh, it just makes me happy. Yep. I love Gigantic our, hearts. our little historical AF family. Oh, oh, and it's not so happy. little. Yeah, our, it's growing. <laughs> our, our little historical AF fam is getting to be a bigger and bigger fam every week. It is. It is. Like I said, it just makes me so happy. So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you shared your story and you helped us understand the alphabet more. Well, thank you again for joining me. This was so great. And I'm just so glad to see your face again. Yes, and- it's so good to see yours too. Oh. I want to thank my guest Robin again for joining me for this special Pride episode. Thank you, Robin, for sharing this. I know that sometimes talking about your experiences, especially the hard parts, the trauma could be emotionally draining. And I know it's a lot, but I'm just so thankful that you feel safe enough to share that with all of us. And I'm sure I can speak for our whole little historical AF podcast family in saying that we are so glad that you're here and we're so glad that you're happy and congratulations on your upcoming wedding and Thank you for educating us on parts of the alphabet we might not have known. I also want to say happy pride, everyone. No matter where you are in that beautiful, beautiful alphabet mafia, I hope this month has been fantastic. And I hope that you feel safe. I hope you feel celebrated. And I hope that you know that you are loved. All right, friends. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next month with a new Nerdy AF. Okay, bye.